My name is Dr. Aliyah Samuel, and it is with great pride that I bring to you a podcast on a subject that is near and dear to my heart, education equity. Over my 20 years in education, 10 of which were in public schools, I have worked on issues related to access, opportunity, and family support across the education continuum. I worked as an elementary special education and general education teacher, assistant principal, and principal before I transitioned into the world of education policy. At the root of my decision to transition out of public education and into education policy was seeing firsthand how policies developed at the federal, state, and local level had a direct impact on the lives of everyday people. It is with great pride that I can say I am a pure educator in the policy space, not a policymaker in the education space. There is certainly a stark difference between the two. I am not advocating or making policy recommendations from a lens of acquired secondhand knowledge. I'm doing so as a boots on the ground educator, advocate, and now mother of two young sons. This is not simply a job for me. It's a purpose, passion, and calling. Over the last few years, the culmination of my personal and professional experiences has brought me to this point, a chance to not just admire the problem of education inequity, but to bring national and local experts together to really think about how we can collectively move toward change at a time when education policy is evolving so rapidly. One thing we can say for sure about 2020 is that we are experiencing a double pandemic, COVID-19 and systemic racism, both of which have exacerbated and illuminated many of the inequities that have been hidden in plain sight. I'd like to take you through part of the journey that has brought me to where I am today. In 2018, I had the opportunity to meet Minnie Jean Brown Tricky, one of the Little Rock Nine. At the time, I was at the helm of the education division at the National Governors Association, and we were planning our annual gathering of Governor's Education Policy Advisors. As the director of the division, I made the decision, with the support of my team, that the focus of that particular meeting would be taking the advisors on a journey through education policy from the inception of our country to current day. Our goal was to help underscore the deep history of inequity in education policy, reinvigorate their passion and understanding of the power of their role, and elevate the lasting and damaging impact we were guaranteed if we continued to foster inequitable outcomes from early childhood through post-secondary education. In 2018, we were also ramping up for a massive gubernatorial shift, which occurs every four years, when at least 34 states and three territories cast votes for governor. Recognizing that I was leading one of the most influential groups of bipartisan education policy leaders across the United States, I knew I had a chance to really lean in on the equity discussion. We hosted a portion of our meeting at Central High School in Little Rock, Arkansas, which was at the center of the national spotlight and the root of controversy in 1957, as a group of nine black teenagers desegregated an all-white high school while under the protection of the National Guard. 
we had a chance to walk up the historic steps that once held an angry white mob that spat on and hurled vicious threats at those nine black, innocent young teenagers. That moment was surreal. As an adult woman of color, I'd watched the video clips, had seen the black and white images from that day. But as I stood in front of that school, I realized I simply could not imagine what it had been like for those young people. As I walked up the steps with all the privilege and liberty I have today, I couldn't fathom the stress, the pressure, fear, anxiety, and most importantly, determination those nine teenagers felt on that day and on the many days after. As a mom, I couldn't even begin to imagine how their parents and family members must have felt left behind to do little more than pray for their safety. I will never forget my private discussion with Minnie Jean. I asked her one final question as the night came to a close. Would you do it again? She put her hand on mine, looked me squarely in the eyes and said, yes, I would do it again. I sacrifice so you could be where you are. Do the same for the next generation. There's another side of the story of the events of 1957 that has shaped me. At the same time that Minnie Jean and eight other teenagers were walking into their new high school, a private citizen named Mrs. Smith, whom I can only assume was white, wrote a letter now famously referred to as the Charlottesville Letter. In it, she outlined with masterful detail how the superintendent and school board of Charlottesville could undermine federal legislation to desegregate schools, how they could circumvent Virginia state legislation to close any school that did not follow the federal legislation. Mrs. Smith explained how assessments, IQ tests, and the development of a gifted program could, and I quote, provide for the cultivation of individual aspirations in the name of the pursuit of excellence. In the effort's first year in Charlottesville, she said, about 12 pupils would be involved, of which probably two or three would be Negroes. Students would be identified for the program through IQ tests, and she was quite crafty in her proposal. We could reduce the number qualifying for the test, she said, by requiring a high mark in the currently administered scholastic achievement test. Despite the deception of sorts, she defended testing for its ability to remain objective, even though, and again I'm quoting, the effect would be to limit the number of pupils desegregated. In short, she seemed to be arguing for an option to desegregate as little as possible under the law. Minnie Jean Brown Tricky, Mrs. Smith, and their different worldviews and actions reflect two core sentiments that have stuck with me, a fundamental understanding of the importance and power of education and a willingness to face obstacles to challenge policies that could threaten one's current existence and compromise the future. As I've reflected on my time with Minnie Jean and read and researched more about the Charlottesville letter, I've realized that rooted deep in the discussion around equity are three basic tenets, the importance of leadership, the power of policy development and implementation at the local, state, and national level, 
and the fundamental purpose and power of assessments. All of this is ever present in my mind as I think about how unfortunately this moment in time isn't all that different from the 1950s. All those decades ago, Senator Joseph McCarthy was on the irrational hunt to root out communism. The gruesome murder of Emmett Till, which catapulted the civil rights movement into the national spotlight, while courts banned segregation in public schools. Now Americans and the world find themselves watching a cell phone video of George Floyd's murder. I fear I'm stating the obvious when I say, not enough has changed. We've called this podcast series, Testing America's Freedom. And in it, we will begin to unpack the challenges and opportunities that lay ahead in education. There's an incredible amount of work ahead for us. And as we continue to strive to truly achieve equitable outcomes for all students, I will have conversations with leading national experts on a range of topics from school funding, the importance of diversity in the education workforce, to curriculum development. Most importantly, we will hear directly from the next generation of leaders and activists. I'm excited to have you with us. Let's get started. Testing America's Freedom is produced by NWEA. We are a research-based, not-for-profit company built by educators, scientists, engineers, and advocates who have come together to carry out our mission, partnering to help all kids learn. NWEA is a pioneer in adaptive assessments. Our tools are trusted by educators in more than 9,500 schools, districts, and agencies in 145 countries. To find out more about our assessments and professional learning offerings, visit nwea.org.